0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant, to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of Your rest, You and the Ark of Your Greatness, and may Your saints be clothed in Your salvation, and may they rejoice before Your countenance. Give us more from Your Spirit, fill us with Your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find Your holy countenance. We thank You that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadi in Your Divine Arms, and we ask You to continue to lead it with Your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah 6
1: 16. Thus says the Lord Stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Returning to the old path of good. The opportunity to find or to return to the old path of good is the opportunity to come into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate, which in scripture are defined as the elementary teachings or more accurately the governing teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh. Matthew 7:13 through 14 Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as we've noted earlier, to return to the old path of good or to find the narrow gate in the teaching of Jesus Christ is not something many achieve, and this, per the many statements of Christ, means that not many who do to their stiff neck and ignorance will find the narrow gate in the elementary teaching of Christ but will instead inherit eternal destruction but those who will humble their humble their heart before God and will become his students so that he can enter the narrow gate which is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ will inherit eternal life a very sobering truth and this has been noted by our pastor that in order to receive the kingdom of heaven we need to enter through the narrow gates and we enter these ga- these gates so that we can walk the narrow path the old path of good if a person does not find it, this narrow good path of good, then he <coughs> will not be able to achieve his calling and so once speaking to a young Person, he said, I was going to a different church. I and and the a sister of our church was he was interested in her, and so she attended here. He is attending a different church, and he was not sure of how it would be when they get married. <clears throat> and he was asking uh, about our church, and I told him there's the narrow path. And there's the wide path. And he said, What is your church? I said, Ours is narrow. And he asked me, to Identify for me what the narrow path is. I said, First, you need to have humility because you need to humble yourself before God so that you can enter through, through the narrow gate. And he said, What's humility? You need to be a student, not a teacher and not an inspector. And you enter these narrow gates. Not as an inspector, but as a student, and you begin to learn, to learn the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, and so humility and and being a student is required to enter through these narrow gates. And he said, "No, our church doesn't have this." I asked him, "Do you have a teaching?" And he said, well, in in January, we start from the Book of Genesis and finish throughout the year. And by the end of the year, we finish with the Book of Revelations. The preacher does some commentaries and asked, has your teacher, preacher or the pastor ever tried to link the, the Book of Genesis with the Book of Revelations? He said, no, they just have small commentaries, some jokes, so that we feel good. And so this is the definition of a wide gate, I told him, what you just said. The narrow gate has the element of the teaching. And so if there's a teaching, there's a student, there's a teacher. If there's a student and a teacher, then the student needs needs to have this humility. This is the atmosphere that identifies the narrow gate, and also one that would be a wide gate. And let us rejoice with... with the fact that we have this and that we've entered this narrow gate. As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully, in short and exact definitions, able to form the consistency of the order that exists in the teaching of Jesus Christ. And I will, of course, present to us a more elaborated version of this place of Scripture, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, Therefore sprinkling yourself with the elementary principle of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will build, build ourselves into a house of God because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward God. And so you can't lay again this foundation. Uh, if you've laid it once, you can't lay it again. If you had a foundation and this, and upon this foundation you built a house, and an inspector comes, and says, "Well, there's a prom- problem with one or another things," and you you say, "What what are they?" And he says, "The foundation," <clears throat> and the disappointment would be great because of the money that's been invested. I built. I put all my life into this. But he said. You have a big crack in your foundation. it will be destroyed your house you need it your foundation needed to be uh deeper. you needed to dig deeper and thicker and you ask how many layers is there? He says one they're supposed to be twelve How's it you can come to bankruptcy when a person is soon to retire spiritually need to begin everything again and so you can't it's not uh, possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of the faith toward God of the doctrine of baptism laying on of the hands resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment why our pastor has offered a more elaborated version of this place because people stumble Upon two words in this place, in the original it says. In the original, it's like this, but in the translation that we see in our Bibles, uh, there are two words that were written that people stumble on. As it says, therefore, leaving that <clears throat> elementary principle of Christ, let's go on to perfection, and so let us determine what leaving, meaning that. Uh, that people make the people make the determination that leaving means you need to actually leave the principles of Christ. It doesn't mean leaving uh, as in getting rid of or putting it away. It means keeping, leaving it in yourself. Leaving the elementary principles in yourself. Then go on to clothing yourself. And because the word leaving can have two def- two meanings and so you leave it in yourself or you leave it, meaning you walk away from it, you put it away. The first fruits that it refers to is is the beginning, the root, the foundation. This is also governance and rule. All of this is in the elementary this is all in the dictionary strong that explains each word, defines it. And so when we put all this together, you come to the understanding that to leave the elementary principles means leave it in yourself and go on now to sprinkle yourself with this word, and to take this root and this foundation, and from this root and foundation, uh, using these these uh, rocks, build your building. We need to leave this again <coughs> principle. Uh, In ourselves, and so that's the correct actual translate from the original. What has happened is some people abandoned the church, abandoned God, say that well, we have our own principles. We've put away now this uh, principles that we heard originally, and we have now our own. We've found our own, and and it's very unfortunate. And so these very same words can be understood differently based on how you translate them. And the original is that you need to leave them in yourself rather than leave them uh, and walk away from them, the the difference between the two. And unfortunately people forsake the truth and walk away. The last time uh, an individual left our church, uh he I didn't know he was leaving our church. He invited me. I met with him. He says he told me, Well, we have a different gospel now. And I asked, Well, how is this? For years and years we were together, how's it you have a different gospel? I asked him, explain to me in some, in a few phrases, what is this new gospel? And he didn't want to tell me, and I told him, You don't actually have it, do you? You just want you want uh, you just want power and he said yes well i'm just leaving so pass it on to the pastor that i'm leaving and so these are people that uh disturb you and the reason they disturb you is because they want authority they want power because if you're going to lead if you're going to actually be a leader of a church you need to actually love the church that you leave you need to leave you need to love the church you need to if you're gonna lead her you need to pray for her you need to stand for her not do foolish things on the stage if someone slaps you in the face you need to be able to take it and this requires learning the symbol of the four rivers that follow from that flow from Eden to water the garden. These are the four base elementary teachings of Jesus Christ, and each of these contain a trinity of of various functions, which altogether make up 12. Studying the doctrine of baptisms we've, that we have been studying, we've noted that it is one in the essence that all three forms of baptism submerge us into the death of, of the Lord Jesus, all three baptism the baptism of water holy spirit fire submerges into jesus christ into the death of the lord jesus christ but fulfill different functions the main function that the death of christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of waters to separate a person from the world which lies in evil the main function that the death of christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is to separate us from the sinful life of our fathers. The main function that the death of Christ is called to fulfill in the baptism of fire is to separate our new man from the old man. Matthew 3.11, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The purpose of each of the three baptisms, apart from their primary function separating the one baptism from the other, there is yet another series of purposes that do not work one without the other, since they are depend dependent upon one another and identif- identify the truthful nature of one the other. It's very important that we see that all fo- three forms of baptism they are independence of one the other, they identify the truthful nature of one the other, and they are the essence of one baptism. This is one faith. One baptism, one covenant. But it's presented in three different functions for us. We serve the one God. We don't serve three different gods. We serve one God God Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we don't individually serve them separately. They all have one goal, one purpose. The Son pres- uh, presented death, and the Holy Spirit submerged us into this death so we become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. In a particular format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied the doctrine of the baptism of water. Therefore, we will immediately turn our attention to study the doctrine of of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which within the foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem is made of the precious sapphire and is the second foundation. Revelations 21.19, the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The second foundation, sapphire. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we understand that this is the second foundation. This is the glow of the sapphire stone. We've noted that the Holy Spirit is the third individual in the godly hypostasis, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the work that He is called to perform to deliver us from the sinful inheritance of our fathers and bring us into the inheritance of Christ and God. And the separation from our sinful inheritance is called to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now considering the shadows and symbols of the sapphire containing the glory and power these uh, shadows and symbols that we had studied the sapphire we studied this in the last uh, Sunday service we saw what we need to have and we have concluded that speaking in tongues is not just speaking in tongues but it means to have a great love for the Word of God this is to place this word as you're making your foundation, this is have the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, this is have the qualities that the Holy Spirit has, and the destructive power, as well as the uh, humility that He has, and the simplicity that uh, the Holy Spirit has. <clears throat> and all of this is in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the beauty of His sapphire stone. And so let us today look at <clears throat> more of the direct definitions and direct purposes and powers contained in the truth about the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, 17, 17, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. And so He will comfort us. <clears throat> it's not an easy process when you die for your nation and you need to hi- die for your uh, the house of your Father. Uh... The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will comfort you, as this is a difficult process in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit holds the same functions as the baptism of water to submerge and separate, Acts two, two through four. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance utterance just like during the baptism of water it is necessary to have a baptizer and Christ delegated this mission to his students who have the rank of Apostles who are delegated and so the one who baptizes is one who is an Apostle or one who is delegated by an apostle to be able to do this, who is in one spirit with him. It is the same during the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is necessary to have the presence of a baptizer. And according to Scripture, this mission was delegated to the Heavenly Father, or by the Heavenly Father to his Son. Matthew 1, 6-8 Now John preached, saying, John the Baptist, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps. I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Who is he? The apostle? The prophet? The teacher? The evangelist? The pastor? No. Jesus. A pastor can be present there, but Jesus is the one who baptizes by the Holy Spirit. And so it doesn't always, there is not always the necessity uh, to have the baptism of the, or receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit without another person. A uh, pastor also received, when he was very young, the baptism of the Holy Spirit without another person. <clears throat> and so you need to speak, be able to, to be able to speak in tongues. And so, a person needs to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to confirm this with the baptism of water. You need to confess your sins. You need to not have any kind of offenses in your heart. You need to be uh, free yourself of any occult things that may be in your house. If you speak in an unknown language uh, and haven't done these kind these things, then it will be just an occult language and uh, those who practice uh, demonic things and and they speak also uh, random uh, things and de- what seems of as a different language uh rock artists and also their musicians do this and they curse the people and the devil puts his meaning into their words and they curse those to listen to them the hooligan charismatic services as well They use the language of Satan, and while they roar at God, one African person once said, he was in one of these services. He he cursed you and Yahweh. And they told him, well, leave this place. You're saying these ridiculous things. He says, I am leaving, and I'm not going to come back here. He uh, was speaking as if in a different language, but he was actually speaking in a real other language and cursing the people and cursing God during the charismatic service and so Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit Jesus submerges us into the Holy Spirit who separates us from our sinful inheritance which we have genetically inherited from the sinful life of our fathers including our reasonable abilities and if during the baptism of water we are clothed into Christ then during the baptism of the Holy Spirit we are clothed into the Holy Spirit where the death of Christ is placed in direct dependence from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it turns out this crushing power of the Holy Spirit as well as his uh, simplicity and humility, all of this can be found in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the quality of the Holy Spirit but not independent of the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus had these qualities as well, without Christ, without the baptism, without speaking in tongues, you cannot possess the qualities of the Holy Spirit. You can maybe bring about very uh, crushing or destructive power, but having heavenly humility and simplicity at the same time, uh, you may try to do these independently, but doing them together without the Holy Spirit is not possible when in the baptism of water we are separated from the world, then our sinful nature that is passed on to us from our earthly fathers in the form of the abilities of our mind and will representing our power, which is contrary to that of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, when in baptism of water we are separated from the world, then our sinful nature remains untouched, that which was passed on to us from our earthly parents. And these are the abilities of our mind and will that resist the power of the Holy Spirit we have power also and we also have we have this and we, we have a spirit and it resists uh, the Holy Spirit we have our own abilities of the mind and will but unfortunately at this point we still are resisting the power of the Holy Spirit this is in the baptism of water. The sinful genetic line that has passed on to us from our parents, that was passed on to us from our forefathers, they remain with us and resist the Holy Spirit during the baptism of water. Just like the Egyptians uh, hated Moses, we need to condemn them to death, which is why in the baptism of water, the death of Jesus does not touch or affect our soul. In the baptism of water, the death of Jesus does not touch or affect our soul. When a person is submerged into water, lifted back up again, now the Holy Spirit will be able to show him what's actually inside of him, the uncrucified soul. And so, which is why the baptism, again, of water, the de- uh, in the baptism of water, the death of Jesus does not touch or affect our soul, and then our soul, in the form of our intellect, our will, and our life experience, immediately is triggered to serve and begins to allow many exceptions, renounces or refuses many things, and offers to make peace, and an agreement, posing as a friend, putting on the corresponding garments or appearance of a friend. <clears throat> Joshua 9, 3 through 9. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon, this was a Canaanite city, the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done <clears throat> heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I. They worked craftily, and they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said to him, and to the men of Israel so they said to him from a very far country your servants have come because the name of the Lord your God for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and so in result of this they asked for a a covenant be made between them and the Israelites the new person in the form of Joshua not having asked God as to whether he should make a covenant with these people very quickly and to his disappointment discovers that this old self, old beginning was one of his closest enemies but the agreement has already been confirmed with an oath then the agreement, the the covenant that they had made in this story with startling accuracy we see presented both the anatomy of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well as the power contained in the baptism of the Holy Spirit where our intellect has broken its dependence upon the sinful inheritance, and made a covenant with the new man that is led by the Holy Spirit to be a servant and one that satisfies his interests. In result, all of the powers of the soul in the form of various earthly lusts unite and stand against our intellect to fight it. Moses within our heart is a prototype and symbol of Christ. At the same time, Joshua is a prototype and symbol of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in the baptism of water demonstrated in crossing the Red Sea, we, by the hand of Moses, were separated from Egypt and furthermore, the authority of the power of Egypt in the form of its best and selected army was forever buried in the waters of the Red Sea. And so we know in the end, the end result was with the Gibeonites. We know that God saved the Gibeonites and they served in the chopped wood. They carried water for the temple of the Lord. And they served in the temple. And so the Lord is not against our reasonable abilities. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these abilities need to not be dependent upon the motions, the five Canaanite kings. Uh, They need to separate from them and make a contract, an agreement with the Holy Spirit that now my abilities are absolutely in dependence of Israel, dependence of the Spirit, and now meditate about God's things, uh, uh, confess, proclaim the Lord's uh, will, and furthermore. And so as we have said that the prototype of Moses being the prototype, he's a prototype and symbol of Christ, and Joshua being the prototype of the Holy Spirit. And so the authority and power of Egypt in the form of its best and selected army was forever buried in the waters of the Red Sea. And we crossing the waters of the Red Sea receive absolute freedom and were freed from the slavery of Egypt. When it comes to, uh, and so we being, again, crossing this waters of the Red Sea, we receive this freedom. When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when crossing the Jordan River, by the hand of Joshua, <clears throat> we were separated with the nations that inhabited Canaan, which personify our sinful inheritance, which we, by the fact of our birth, have inherited from our fathers very unique we passed we crossed over the Jordan River and we died for this nation that still lives upon the land of Canaan in Egypt that wasn't the case when we crossed over the Red Sea the Egyptians that followed that pursued the Israelites were drowned in the Red Sea here it's interesting pastor had shown they crossed over the Jordan River and now, in this Jordan River, they overcame the Canaanite nations. This means that they. it was necessary to confess the non-existent as existent and proclaim the non-existent stronghold of resurrection in your body as existent. consider this already in advance that this has happened. And this is possible in the baptism of the Holy Spirit when a person is taught that you have passed over the Jordan River, and you need to proclaim, Lord, thank you that you have delivered me from this curse in Jesus Christ. And you delivered me in Jesus Christ. And you count yourself dead to sin, living for God. You see the difference passing over, crossing over the Red Sea where Egypt drowned. And you cross over Jordan and they ahead of time already condemned the Canaanite nations who inhabited the, the, the land of Canaan. <clears throat> Joshua, being a symbol of the Holy Spirit, led all of the battles of God, but all of the glory was reaped by Moses. The death of Moses was symbolically the death of Jesus Christ, which in his resurrection opened the opportunity for the active or visible service of Joshua. As soon as the Holy Spirit went out to service after the resurrection of Christ, it was the same. Moses died and he resur- and he was taken uh Moses' body was taken after 3 days and the devil didn't want to give it and they there was actually a battle that took place for his body Moses needed to die, resurrect and be taken to to heaven and so that's when the holy spirit had uh, it had received its rights to be able to act and so this happened with Moses this happened with Christ If before the death of Moses, the service of Joshua remained in the shadow, then after the death of Moses, the responsibility for leading the battles, which even before this moment were upon him, received legitimate status. According to scripture, the death of the testator opened the opportunity to receive the promised Holy Spirit. Moses, in the form of Christ, submerges us into Joshua in the form of the Holy Spirit and passes his authority and power to him. Numbers 27, 15 through 23. Here's how Moses passed on his authority and power to Joshua, just like Jesus did to the Holy Spirit. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, as he said, you will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper. He prayed the words of Moses. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God, this is the, the prayer of Jesus Christ, for the Holy Spirit let the Lord the God of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep <clears throat> which have no shepherd and the Lord said to Moses take Joshua the son of Nun with you a man in whom is the Spirit Holy Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight, and you will give some of your authority to him, that all of the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At this word, the word of Eleazar, they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in by the word of Eliezer. This is the written scripture, the word, symbolically, he and all the children of Israel will come and all the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eliezer the priest and before all of the congregation and he laid his hand on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And so here Moses blessing him put his power his authority upon him but Moses still wasn't gone he now had transformed into the priest Eleazar the Holy Spirit can't do whatever he wants he will come in and tell you what I what I say that's what Jesus said Joshua always needed to refer to the Word of God to the priest Eleazar how are we to behave what are we to do and their priest absolutely was responsible for Joshua and all of these ne- things need to be understood. This moment was a symbol of the passing of the power to the Holy Spirit when, when Jesus breathed and told the disciples, John 20, 23, receive the Holy Spirit. If, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This he did, he said when he breathed upon them, he empowered the Holy Spirit, he delegated the Holy Spirit And so, although he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit still didn't do anything at this point. Why? Because Jesus died and resurrected, but he had not yet been ascended into heaven. And so, it's a very important uh, piece also to note. How much the Holy Spirit depends upon Christ as how much Joshua depended upon Moses. <clears throat> this was not baptism this breathing but this was the act of passing on power the essence of baptism its primary function was to be generated by the Holy Spirit himself this is a separating power it was part of the function of a service and so not when Jesus breathed but when the Holy Spirit came down and began to speak when they began to speak in these fiery tongues the Holy Spirit uh was demonstrating his power at that point and so the Holy Spirit in the day of the Pentecost he came down and <clears throat> upon the disciples specifically Joshua was to lead them to Canaan across the waters of the Jordan and separate them from these nations The power of the Son of God is a legitimate order of implementation of the given law. The implementation or realization of le- legislative acts is achieved by the power or organ who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings about his executive power and man by the power of baptism demonstrating, demonstrated in speaking in tongues. And so he is the one who fulfills, uh, What he's the one who does the work, he's the one who fulfills the commandments and he, uh, he can do this by the ratification uh, when he pro- we proclaim with our mouth when we proclaim and we speak in tongues and when we say it may be not a Ukrainian or a German or other language this is a heavenly language people try to think about what language we might be speaking in in, in heaven <clears throat> we will be speaking an angelic language and here already he gave us here on earth that language speaking in tongues is charisma of the spirit which is called to be an organ of the accomplishing power of the holy spirit in each individual person who has experienced the baptism of the holy spirit and so this is the charisma this is not just to shake your your your, your your hips or to jump up and down within the service this is not charisma speaking in tongues is such a form of armor that has no analogies which is why it is most powerful it is the most powerful armor in battle with the organized powers of darkness in the form of the world and the unclean people in the form of, of our old man. When the children of God discover the might of this armor and begin to correctly utilize it, the demons completely shake in fear and change their position from attack to defense and after this, capitulate or surrender. Because the saints understand that the power that speaking in tongues has, Joshua 6, one. now Jericho was seeking securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And so the old man has no opportunity to demonstrate himself. Victory has not yet come. The old man has become afraid, and now... But we... We begin to then sanctify ourselves. But absolute sanctification will occur when the walls actually... And so if the walls have not yet fallen, then he's just shut himself in because he's afraid. Because he's realized you received the truth. And now came the seventh crucial day for Israel as well as for Jericho. And when the seventh circle was on the rise, a new, concealed, and unfamiliar for the Jericho people tool was brought in, was used, which in an instant destroyed its walls to their foundation. Joshua 6:16 6, through 16 and 20. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that, they, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And so the seventh time it says... They shouted, and the walls of Jericho fell, the stronghold of death fell. And we need to understand that this happens all in the seventh day. This happens in God's peace. And for this to happen at the door of our hope, for the stronghold of death to be destroyed and be thrusted out from within our bodies, you need to complete this work. First, we need to have an organic membership to the number seven. The scriptures say that the church is his body, and so the fullness. And so if I have an organic membership to the seventh day, to the Sabbath, to the fullness. The second, it's not enough that I'm just a member. He has given us, the scriptures say, apostles teachers, evangelists, so that we come into the fullness of measure of growth in Christ. The fullness of measure of growth in Christ. This yet doesn't mean that a stronghold of death has been thrusted out. The third is when the fullness of time comes and when the Lord allows the Son to resurrect the the dead and to raise the living. And so if we die before that time, we at least need, need to have an organic membership to the fullness and of all things, and also have the second fullness that is being grown into fullness of growth in Christ. And so these two will allow, if I haven't yet, if I don't, if I, if I, if someone passes away before the time that Christ comes, and then those that remain alive, of course, will be taken to heaven. Uh, but first the dead will will rise and then all will go together to the father And so this church needs to have this fullness <clears throat> And so in the seventh time again we see here that they shouted when we shouting means you use uh, your lips first to shout in this instance is the confession of the faith of your heart, with your mouth that Jesus is our Lord and that God has raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit for our justification. Romans 10 9 10 that if you you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so when you shout aloud that's when you confess the faith of your heart and to shout is a clear symbol of speaking in tongues. This is not just sp- proclaiming your faith, but a, a clear symbol of speaking in tongues. Only by speaking in tongues in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can take hold of the lot. And so, speaking in tongues, we understand the essence of why we need it. We speaking in this tongue, we speak in tongues. Only by speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can take hold of the lot which lies on the other side of the Jordan. By being submerged into the Holy Spirit, representing the death of Jesus, we receive power over the second death in the image of the Jordan. And by the means of the dividing or separating power of the Holy Spirit, demonstrated in speaking in tongues, we abolish the power of the old man and deprive him of nationhood and turn him into a slave. What do we do? By the means of the Holy Spirit, we receive the power we need over the second death. And it is demonstrated in the fact that we abolish the power of the old man. We deprive him of his nation and require him to flee and also turn our soul into a we we we, we required the and abolished the power to and we require that to flee and turn him himself into a slave joshua 9 23 then joshua called for them <coughs> and he spoke to them saying the Gibbonites, now therefore you are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my god <coughs> and so they became slaves to God and slaves to the Spirit. Apostle Paul demonstrates the principle of separation where we deprive our intellect <clears throat> of the power to rule and unite in the likeness of the death of Christ and the likeness of his resurrection. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. And so in this place of scripture, we see the Gibbonites, when our old man is crucified with him, and so when the Gibbonites become uh, slaves, our soul, our reasonable abilities, our, uh, the abilities of our, of our soul then become subject to our spirit, and so the old man will be done away with so that our body would no longer be dependent upon it. And so then at the head of our nation, will no longer be nationalists or in the case of what happens in the world as the Banderas, uh, but only the power of Jesus Christ. And so you could see how the old man changed the atmosphere of the entire country. And so we need to eliminate him to be able to stabilize and change what is happening within our own country, within ourselves. And so this can happen, this peace, when the Gibbonites, our mind, makes a peace treaty with our spirit. And understandably, such separation in the death of the Lord Jesus is something that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called to promote in speaking in tongues. Acts 2.3.4 Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so there appeared to them divided tongues, the Holy Spirit needs to do something, needs to separate separate someone from something. <clears throat> receiving the Holy Spirit receiving the Holy Spirit does not yet mean that you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. Laban and Bethuel received Eleazar, but he did not even give them the offer of leaving Mesopotamia. Why? The reason is because in order to do this you needed to satisfy specific requirements. <laughs> Eleazar, the servant of Abraham, did not come for Laban and Bethuel and Haran. He came for the bride. He came for the church. And so the power of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues... And so, this work of of being able to satisfy <clears throat> uh, the specific requirements, just like Rebecca did, is something that all people, all people of faith, need to be doing, regardless of their congregation. And so, let us look at what the bride of the Lamb, how she is different from from everyone else. First, the bride of the Lamb; she is necessary to be such a it's necessary for her to be such a virgin who is able to be fertilized with the seeds of the word about the kingdom of heaven to become mature so she can receive the seed so that she can be a wife here uh, we see rebecca second it was necessary to quench the thirst of the holy spirit from the well of your of her heart with water in the form of the faith uh, in the form of faith and justification and so she was not just a virgin She was a beauty of that time, a beauty of the East, a a, a mature woman. There were a, a lot of beautiful women in that time, but she had the second component. We're seeking the bride of the Lamb, and this is one who quenches the thirst of the Holy Spirit. And this is from the well of her heart. And so her heart needs to have water, the truth and revelation. When he comes and he knocks into my heart so that he can come in and dine with me and he with with me and me with him, she needed to quench again the thirst of the Holy Spirit. and third, it was necessary to draw the favor of the Holy Spirit upon herself by giving drink to her ten ca- to his ca- uh, ten camels. And as much as we know, the number ten is a symbol of absolute dedication and sanctification and Rebecca satisfied this condition. This is why while she was fulfilling these conditions, Eleazar watched in amazement upon Rebecca. Genesis 24, <clears throat> And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord has made his journey prosperous or not. Only those that are clothed into Christ will catch the attention of the Holy Spirit, who will reveal the mystery of his power in the baptism of the divided tongues. And now let's look a little bit at the tongue. A tongue is a wheel which controls the essence of man. When being baptized by the Holy Spirit, specifically due to the ability to speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit overtakes control of the soul, using this commanding post within the essence of man for the very conquering of this essence. And so the Holy Spirit, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, He overtakes control of our soul. <clears throat> he takes control, and He does this in in the speaking in tongues. No, uh, by speaking in tongues, you can't immediately conclude that the Holy Spirit is controlling your essence and and is delivering it from the Canaanite Canaanites, James three three. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him, the dragon, by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. The word of their testimony is a testimony of your faith that Jesus is Lord, and that he was raised, he, God, has raised he was Jesus was raised for our justification, but a testimony proclaimed more, not with the mind, but when you speak in tongues. And so again, this testimony of faith can be proclaimed with the mind, but needs to be spoken in tongues. And so you proclaim that Jesus is your Lord and that he He was raised for your justification and you proclaim this with your mind but also with speaking in tongues and so again this is what the word of testimony is and speaking in tongues is very important why because it separates we cannot lose our soul if we do not voluntarily give our tongue our lips this remote directly uh, directing our essence to the Holy Spirit, this dividing powers in the baptism of speaking in tongues. John twelve twenty five. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Matthew ten thirty nine. He who loses life for my sake will find it. A tongue is not just a wheel or rudder, but also the primary stronghold of the soul. Exodus four two 17 a few places. So the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And so this is what interests the Holy Spirit to me, immediately take control of our our lips so that we proclaim the faith of our heart and not some kind of negativity or unbelief. And so the Lord said to Moses, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. And so we are in horror of what we see. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. And then the Lord said to him, And you shall take this rod in your hand, With which you shall do the signs, and so when we take the serpent, our tongue, God sees it as the serpent. But the serpent can be good when you take it by the tail. When you want to say or you want to offend someone, you need to. You want to uh, uh, express yourself in some strong way, uh, and react to something that you weren't happy about. You need to take your your serpent by the tail in this moment and not express these emotions or this desire. And so when we take our tongue, reptiles as we know, their tail is their is their wheel. It's what they <clears throat> And so if you ever hold a reptile upside down and you hold it by the tail it can't really do much. It, it can't, it can't uh, It can't do much because it's restricted. And so, again, very important to take our our serpent by its tail. The rod of Moses is a powerful example of a lost and again re-obtained soul. Until the Holy Spirit enlightens a person that his tongue is the wheel of his soul, which has not yet been lost, he will not have success and will experience defeat, as Moses did in his time. Again, until the Holy Spirit enlightens a person, that his tongue is a wheel of his soul, which has not been lost, we will not have success and will experience defeat, as Moses did in his time. So the lost soul is control of your tongue, and when he took control, uh, when he took the serpent by the tail, the Lord sent him on the mission. Only being enlightened about God's rod was Moses able to bring about the intentions of God, and no power of Egypt was able to resist or confront it. Wherever Moses stretched out the rod by the command of Jehovah, the result was evident. Until we receive enough light, we will love our soul and will not be able to lose it. But as soon as by the light. Coming from our spirit, coming from the Holy Spirit, we find out what our soul is. We will run from it in fear. The tail of the serpent is its wheel, and naturally, the one that is at the wheel is the pilot. This is why, taking hold of the speaking apparatus of the soul during baptism, the Holy Spirit is able to perform miracles using our mouth or using our proclamations. Our confessions begin to. to govern us. The Holy Spirit by us speaking in tongues applies such leadership that now not the Pharaoh or his sorcerers with their magic are able to resist it. Our confessions began to control us and it's no longer our mind or the Pharaoh or his sorcerers or his magicians are able to do anything when we confess the word of god it begins to rule us when we're silent and just think and meditate only and don't confess
2: <laughs>
1: and so i've had conversations with people to say well I, I attend every service i go to cell groups. I go to every single church service, but I tell them you're not praying because when you pray, the the words you received in the sermon, you need to pray them. You need to proclaim this word so that you can be servants of righteousness because it, it doesn't work in any other way. Our tongue becomes the tongue of God just as the rod of Moses became the rod of God. This is why the soul, which practices the experience of speaking in tongues will not remain in, sh- in shame, but will progress in spiritual growth through goal-oriented and conscious speaking in tongues, separating the carnal beginnings from the new that is created in accordance with God and Jesus Christ. Divided tongues is a glorious symbol of cloven hooves, having upon itself the sign of death. Leviticus eleven two through 3 Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on earth among the animals whoever divided whatever divides the hoof having cloven hooves and chewing the cud that you may eat cloven hooves is a symbol of a person who walks in faith and not in visions proclaiming with faith the not existent as existent therefore cloven hooves is a specific sign making us candidates of rapture And so you need to, again, have these cloven hooves. A person who doesn't. And so a cloven hooves is one who also. And one who also chews his cud. And so. The ones they could not eat is one that did have cloven hooves but did not chew the cud. For example, a pig. She does have cloven hooves. And she has a very significant, uh, cl- significant cloven hooves, divided hooves, focused on visions and prophecies, very, very focused on this, but absolutely does not chew the cud, does not meditate upon the word, does not know the word. And Pentecostal churches are filled with these kinds of people. And they're not able to swallow the truth or to uh, to understand it in any way. But they're very much focused on other things. And they say, they make these conclusions to defend this by saying, well, this was needed for the apostles back in their time, but not for us today. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Heavenly Father for our spirit which was born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God. Genesis 1, 1-3. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, just as our spirit when we were born again. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so light, when we, this is when we received the revelation of the Holy Spirit, why do we need the Holy Spirit? A light is lit. The revelation about the Holy Spirit is only given to those saints who study, the follow, who study and follow the commandments of Christ. John 14, 15, 16. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And so the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, over the truth, over the teaching. And so if I'm born again and I. Don't have this kind of uh, represent this format uh, like, like we see here, the earth that was over, uh, pretty much covered with water. Receiving the Holy Spirit is the opportunity giving the Holy Spirit allowance or consent together with us to lead our prayer battles. Acts 1 8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Speaking in tongues is the result of her, of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.4 And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The calling and purpose of speaking in tongues and as a whole is focused upon giving us the opportunity to be, to fulfill our purpose. Our purpose in God. Again, the purpose of our tongue. Without our tongue, we will not be able to fulfill our purpose. However, the calling and purpose of speaking in tongues, not our tongue our, 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 our regular language by speaking in tongues achieve their goal only when we understand their purpose and practice them as a form of armor in accordance with the norms implemented in Scripture. Let us remember again once more what speaking in tongues is and why we need them. <clears throat> we need to correctly practice them and for that we need to understand why we need them. First, speaking in tongues is one of the many manifestations of the holy spirit which is given to us for good <clears throat> first corinthians 12:7 through 11 now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to one speaking in different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines And so in some places, in some churches, they practice, or they learn how to practice spiritual gifts. But the, in the scripture it says the Spirit gives to each one as He chooses. And you cannot practice these things. He gives as He decides and when He decides. You need to continually be ready and keep your vessel in holiness. So that you can be utilized for good. And in the service, there will not be then be arrogance and and pride, pridefulness. And so sometimes you will see this: that people will come out to the stage and be very uh, pompous, will be very uh, uh, very loud. The pastor says that in the given situation, it is necessary to know that different kinds of tongues are always to speak in tongues, but to speak in tongues is not always different kinds of tongues. And so all of us speaking different kinds of tongues speak in tongues, but speaking in tongues is different. Different kinds of tongues are always speaking in tongues, but speaking in tongues can uh, sometimes be not an un- understood tongue as different kinds of tongues are. And so if I'm praying in tongues and I don't understand what I'm saying, but people may hear me on the side and understand what I'm saying. During the time of the Pentecost, they had, they were speaking in tongues, and and people around were hearing and saying, "Are they Galileans that and and because they they speak in the dialect that we speak, and they're praising God in a beautiful way." And they ask, "How is it that these?" and so there were many different uh people there with different from different countries that were all understanding them in their own language and they were understanding as they were praising God and they were uh praising God in a very beautiful form and so this is often uh given to people who have not yet received Christ or not familiar with God or Christ and, and so these can be these different kinds of tongues for them. And so sometimes you can pray in tongues and you don't understand, but you begin to pray and you then are given the knowledge of what you are saying an interpretation of what you were saying. But for those who have believed or who have received already Jesus Christ, they receive the prophecy. They receive the prophecy from the stage uh, we pray the Lord utilizes our ability to speak in tongues for certain situations as well. And so, again, the speaking in different kinds of tongues is something that is rarely done. God rarely uses this uh, and is often used for people who do not believe to be able to hear in their language, to be able to understand uh, what is being said for a purpose. Second, speaking in tongues is called to serve as our bits, which help us obey the Holy Spirit as the writer, the interests of whom we are called to fulfill. James 3.3 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. The importance of the tongue in general, and especially speaking in tongues, is emphasized in a special way in Scripture. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18.21 And so who controls our essence, death or life? Death or life. De- death
2: or life is in the power of the tongue. And so third,
1: we also see that speaking in tongues is also used as a rudder for a large ship. James 3, 4, 5. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by a fierce wind, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And so this means you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And it's not a demonstration of being led by the Holy Spirit when a person is just shouting. When a person begins to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father, and you fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father by fulfilling His commandments. And so when we serve the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, we together proclaim. And we do this for what purpose? We want to show before the Lord that our pilot is the Holy Spirit and that we proclaim the Word of God. This is being led by the Holy Spirit. We participated today in the service and this is being led by the Holy Spirit. For speaking in tongues is called to give rest to the weary and the burdened. Isaiah 28 11 12 Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to his people to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of res- of repose. But they would not listen. And so a person who is in the wilderness, who is in the wilderness, has placed himself into the state of a wilderness, where he dedicates and sanctifies himself before the Lord. And so if a person is weary and burdened, then we have ability to speak in tongues and this will give us peace we can note for ourselves that for me to be in the Lord's peace <clears throat> I need to pray in, in tongues <clears throat> speaking in tongues is a law contained in the feast of trumpets testifying before God that he has delivered us from Egyptian slavery and has led us into the kingdom of His Son. Psalm 81 3 through 6 Sound the ram's horn at the new moon, and when the moon is full on the day of our festival, which is a decree for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. When God went out against Egypt, he established it as a statute for Joseph. I heard as an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the baskets. Psalm 81, 3 through 6. And so the Lord delivers us from these baskets, from the weight of our old man, because we were his his slaves. Upon the condition, of course, that we come out of Egypt. Sixth, speaking in tongues is the supernatural ability to praise God in a new language. Not roar at God and make other kinds of sounds, but to pray before God. Acts ten forty five forty six. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so speaking in tongues is also an ability to magnify God. Seventh, speaking in tongues is a unique in its nature form of prophecy. Acts nineteen two and six. Paul said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked people in Ephesus who received and Paul said to them again, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And so he found some students, uh, that these people were students, they were learning uh, the right things. And so when they began to speak in tongues and prophesied, this is only given to people who are students. They were in the teaching, but they did not know the full revelation about the Holy Spirit. And when it was explained to them, then they received the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. Not every person can just prophesy, you need to be a student for this. And so this was in Ephesus. And so he explained to them what the power of, of speaking in tongues is and, and the Holy Spirit himself. Of course, anyone who just converts can't immediately begin to pray and prophesy. You need to be a student for that. Eighth, speaking in tongues is a secret code between God and man, a confidential conversation with God, a conversation that is not public, a conversation that is secret, trustworthy, and intimate. First Corinthians fourteen two, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. And we talked about that. There's a difference between the new, uh, the, the the speaking in tongues. This is that is not understood, not familiar and we at this time we don't speak to God but uh, to people we speak only to God directly night speaking in tongues is edifying yourself in the holiest faith First Corinthians 14:4 4 through five. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14,
0: 4, 5. Edifying yourself
1: in tongues is the unique opportunity and ability to communicate and know God in your spirit. John four, twenty-four. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so to worship in the in the spirit where his truth is tenth speaking in tongues is the ability to grow fruit in your spirit or to nourish your spirit first corinthians 14 14 for if i pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful what is the conclusion then i will pray with the spirit i will also pray with the understanding i will uh, sing in the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 15. And so a person can pray for long periods of time, but if, when you do, you need to meditate about the Word of God. Because if you're not meditating about the Word of God, you need to rotate by praying in tongues and then praying with your mind. So that during uh, the prayer in tongues, your mind not just go elsewhere. 11. Speaking in tongues is the full armor of God given to us for the purpose of confronting the powers of darkness. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so where it says, Pray at all times in the Spirit, Twelfth, speaking in tongues is one of the unique signs for the unbelievers, and so again, different tongues, different types of kinds of tongues, speaking in tongues. And this, it is for the unbelievers. In this case, First Corinthians fourteen twenty-two. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers but for those who believe. And so speaking in tongues that are different kinds of tongues, this is a sign for the unbeliever, but prophecy in tongues is a sign for the believer. And so that's why in the church, you don't practice different kinds of tongues because in one, right now we're in prophecy, we are... abiding in this prophecy, in the Word of God, and this is one of the forms that we see. Since from all of this, we can conclude that speaking in tongues in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so the speaking in tongues is a necessary armor, connecting us to the virtue of the name Israel and our partaking to Israel makes us partakers of the armies of Israel since only due to a proper utilization of this armor we become worshipers of God within our spirit and consequently achievers of his will which is focused on comprehending and realizing the promises of God and so right now we're going to pray and I call every holy person to this place who desires to realize in him his promises to drive away from within our boundaries our enemy our old man and when he drives away the enemy the old man then our body will no longer be called a Canaanite land it will be Israel it will be victorious and this is what we're called to and so we will make the decision to resist sin resist dependence binding sin that we're tired of, throw it out and say, Lord, I repent, I hate it, I condemn it, I reject it, how much I hate it. Give me victory, and the Lord will give you victory. Let us pray. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and to lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to heaven. This is a sign That your hands are without wrath or doubt, pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you, and upon this holy place, in the church of your holy nation, I open up my heart, so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by lusts and sin, which I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my illnesses, fears, dishonor, and a pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, and protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you... Come, the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May with noise the stronghold of death be thrusted out into hell. And may the life and resurrection be erected in its place. And may this be upon you and your children. and The nation shall say, Amen. An interesting lesson that we have been able to learn today, again and again becoming familiar with the Holy Spirit and the powers that our spirit has as well. And again and again, it's important to go through these things, to understand them and to study them in more depth in our cell groups. May the Lord help us. Let's proclaim our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Our service is over. The next church service will be Tuesday, 7 o'clock in the evening. May you be blessed in your homes and in your ways. And as Pastor says,